Today, by the grace of God, we are landing the plane. We are concluding in our series, Banishing Fear. And my prayer, and our prayer is that every fear that is still left in our lives today will be totally banished in Jesus' name. Amen. You, you need to um, pay a lot of attention because we have a lot of material to cover. I'm going to go um, pretty fast and, and wrap up the whole series. We started, I'm, I'm sure you have your notes. If you are new in Tribe, if today's your first time in Tribe, the ushers um, will have given you um, an outline for today's teaching, right? Does everybody have an outline? Yes. Okay, fine. And if you want a, a folder like mine, you can um, get yours at uh, the resource stand, um, preferably at the end of service. Now, we, we started with laying a foundation for banishing fear, and we looked at the antidotes to fear. We looked at the antidotes to fear, and we, we saw that there are the three antidotes to fear. There is truth, there is love, and there is faith. And... Um, we wrapped it up by saying the antidote to fear is not in a formula. The antidote to fear is in a person. And that um, theme has been going on for the past um, seven weeks, perhaps, that we've been doing the series. And that person is who? Jesus. So the antidote to fear, as we're going to also learn today, is a person. And the person is, is Jesus. In part two, we looked at banishing financial fear. Banishing financial fear. I, I will encourage you to get the whole series of, of this teaching. And if you have challenges with your finances, you want to break through financially, I would recommend you get um, thinking clearly about finances and banishing financial fear. Put those two teachings together. Listen to it 20 times. By the time you are done, you're a millionaire. <laughs> before you are done by the grace of God okay, you'll be on your way <laughs> to be a, uh, now, that's banishing um, financial fear, now part three we looked at banishing the fear of rejection, banishing the fear of rejection and, and we dealt with that thoroughly, in part four we looked at banishing the fear of failure the fear of failure. And, you know, we explained um, how to banish the fear of failure, and we, we, we showed us um, six ways how to banish the fear of failure. In part five, we looked at banishing the fear of sudden crisis. Sudden crisis. And we, we, we explained that with sudden crisis, to overcome it, that fear is simple. We will focus on the closeness of God. We relax in God's care, and we rely that God is in control, on God's control. And last week, we looked at banishing the fear of being used by God in part six. Banishing the fear of being used by God. That should be part six, so you, you may want to correct that in your notes. Um, but not part five. Banishing the fear of being used by God. And we explained that we need to develop an awareness for God's presence, devote ourselves to God's plan, Delight in God's power and depend on God's promises. Today, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at um, banishing the fear of the future. Or you could um, call it how to face the future. How to face the future. We, as human beings, we have an innate desire to want to know the future. We have an innate desire to want to know the future. So that's why, you know, we, we have people trying to um, 
um, second guess what will happen tomorrow. We, we, we read predictions. You know, every year we have business predictions. The Time magazine comes up with their own predictions. And anyone that has anything to do with um, um, anything spiritual comes up with its, its own predictions. A lot of those predictions are confusing and contradictory. And, you know, but everybody just want to have a say. Because we as people are curious about what will happen in future. And a large number of people look to several things. You know, people look to crystal balls, you know. They get this crystal ball and they just um, do that. A lot of people, some people say, oh, okay, fine. I won't go to crystal ball. I will. Some people check the horoscopes. There was a time that the newspaper horoscope page is always very busy. Check, oh, I'm a um, Gemini or a Capricorn. Or a... Then if you meet a lady, you, you want to check, what are you? So that you know <laughs> how the thing will gel or how it will not gel. We like to have a glimpse into the future. In fact, statistically, 21% of born-again Christians in the U.S. that is, believe in horoscopes. If you believe in horoscopes, let me see your hands up. Okay, put up your hands in your heart. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a large number. And, the, and out of the 21%, 74, 72, 74% are women. No offense, statistics. Women want to know what's going to happen to my husband, what's going to happen to my children, what's going to happen to this, what's going to happen to that. The word of God tells us, as you see in Ecclesiastes 8 7, in your outline, that since no man. Everyone say no man. Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what is to come? The word of God is clear. No man knows the future. No man knows the future. And because we don't know the future, hence the fear. Because we fear what we don't know. We, we can't, we are in trouble, we, 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 we fret because we are like, what will happen tomorrow? By the time we are done today, the fear of the future will be far from you in the name of Jesus. So, pastor, I'm going to just go for the juggler immediately. How can I face the future confidently? How can I face the future confidently? Again, I'm going to um, share from my learnings. How can I face the future confidently? Number one, to face the future confidently, I must have a proper perspective. I must have a proper perspective. You need to stop checking the horoscopes for this week. Or for this month, what is the proper perspective? I must have the perspective of God's word. What does God have to say? What does God have to say? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children yet unborn. I like the way the NLT puts it. In that, that's, that's what you have in your notes. It says that, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. And guess what? We are not accountable for those secrets. You are not accountable for what you don't know. As far as God has hidden it. You are not. So relax. But, I was a but. But we and our children are accountable forever. For all that he has revealed to us, so that we may obey all the times 
of his instruction. God is saying, the things that are hidden, they are his. They belong to him. The ones he reveals, they are yours. Before you start worrying about the ones you don't know, what have you done about the ones you know? Praise the Lord. And I can real several to you. There are a lot of things you know from God's word. What have you done about it? That's what God will hold you accountable for. The things that God has spoken to your spirit, what have you done about it? That's what God is going to hold you accountable for. Stop worrying about what God has not revealed. Deal with what he has revealed and watch him reveal much more. Praise the name of the Lord. God obviously reveals the future. But no man knows the future. Pastor, you said no man knows the future. I said God reveals the future. So what are you saying? I'm saying, except God reveals it. Except God reveals it. No man knows the future. And Jesus is saying to you and I, don't worry about the future. Jesus is saying, don't worry about the future. Is Jesus really saying that? Pastor, can you show me in the Bible? Yes, Matthew 6, 34. Jesus says, so don't worry about tomorrow. So when I begin to worry about the future, I am disobeying God. The pastor, are you really saying you don't worry about the future? No, I don't. I don't. And God is saying to you also, don't worry about the future. And we're going to see what God wants us to do as we go on. I suspect today that we may finish a little bit later. I'm taking permission from those that used to get home early. But you'll be grateful to God that you are here. Praise the name of the Lord. God doesn't want us to worry about tomorrow. Now, I need to explain a couple of things. How the spiritual works, there is knowledge in the spirit realm. And the knowledge in the spirit realm is, is, is divided into two categories. Listen carefully. The first category, it's in the public domain. The second category, it's in the private domain of God. There are information in the public domain, in the spirit realm. There are information in the private domain of God, in the spirit realm. The information that is in the public domain is accessible to anybody that has access to the spirit realm. Witches, wizards, witch doctors, Christians, Muslims, alphas, pastors, lay readers, anyone that can connect to it will get it. So it, 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 sometimes it bothers me that people, all they need to know is somebody that gets access to the spirit realm and gives them information that is correct. And they begin to say, oh, that person must be hearing from God. Sorry to disappoint you. That is not the criteria. <laughs> what is in the public domain is accessible. That is why Saul can go to a medium and try and consult. And the information he got, even though it was a, it was a demon that... that um, that impersonated Samuel, the information he got was accurate. Was it not accurate? So is God saying we should go and consult mediums? You know, I've heard people say, oh, the information from the, um, the devil or from, from demons or from um, mediums, they are not accurate as a lie. Don't deceive yourself. The ones in the public domain are accurate. Anyone, it's just like, it's just like a radio um, frequency. 
Anyone that has a transmitter, a radio, um, radio receiver that tunes to that station can get the signal. But there are certain signals that are scrambled. They are not accessible. And those are the secret things of God. Who are the people that have access to it? Friends of God. People that can lean into God and get it. When I realized this in my work with God, one of the things I did was I went to God and I petitioned that my files be removed from the public domain. (laughs) Removed from the public domain. Except maybe my name, (laughs) my height, (laughs) things that... Some people, their whole life is in the public domain. That is why... I can tell you stories upon stories. I need to go quickly. You know... So, Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying that some of my information is probably going to me? Yes. Why? Because you, you were not born, born again. I remember where I was born, born again. As you dropped from your mother's um, womb, sanctified. How many people? I doubt. If you are here. So, we have a history with the enemy, and it keeps record. Okay, now, unfortunately, Christians, I hope I'm not going too deep. Are you guys with me? Good, 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 good. Unfortunately, Christians don't mind the source of the information, and that is dangerous for your life, for your soul, for your spirit. Christians don't mind the source of the information. Anybody, someone said to me, oh, but pastor, they, they, they pray in the name of Jesus in that church. And I'm like, that's your only discernment. I'm sorry, I'm very sorry for you. You know why? Because the Bible says that even Satan disguises as an angel of light. That cannot be your only discernment. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, it can't be. You, you, you need to understand that the fact that information is available in certain quarters does not mean that God is there. It means that spirits are there, of course. And if you go there by your own will, what you have done is you've opened your life up to whatever spirit that is there willingly. I told you that the, the, how the spiritual works is that there must be a man on head that willingly authorizes. So when you open your life, you willingly authorize whatever spirit has oppression in that environment to have access to you, have access to your files. Even the things that are in the private domain, you begin to move to the public domain. Because you, you have chosen to do that. And heaven will respect your will. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. God Detests divination. A lot of, quote unquote, listen, if you know me very well, I don't talk against any man of God. No, it's not my business. But a lot of these people are not men of God. They are devils in cassocks. Well, some people don't even know that. And guess what? It doesn't change what they are doing from divination. The fact that they, 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 they throw a cloak of Pentecostalism over it does not change it from divination. As far as heaven is concerned. And heaven detests divination. Show me, Pastor. Simple. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy, uh-oh, is it chapter 9? 18, sorry. <clears throat> From verse 9, it says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, 
when you come to the land that the Lord of your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. They shall not be found among you, among any one of you who practices divinations or tell fortunes. What will my fortune be? Or interpret omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires from spirits of the dead. Why? For whoever, let's read together, one to go. For does these things is pause. Stop. For whoever, no matter who you are, prophet, evangelist, apostles, believer, non-believer, whoever does these things is what? An abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord, this, because of these same things, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Now, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which are about, you are about to dispossess, listen to and consult with fortune tellers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Full stop. Now, <laughs> this is a very interesting topic. Why? Because a lot of us, we are so used to it. Some people are even agreeing at me right now. <laughs> but it's okay. It's not me you agree at. This is the word of God I've shown you. So go and fight God. And sometimes it's a cultural thing. Our forefathers used to consult herbalists, right? In this time and age, we have just replaced our pastors, the herbalists, with pastors. That is all. That's all. It's the same consultative mentality. People come to church to see a consultant. We say, okay, abalist is old school. You are the new abalist. Which is why in God's Spirit House, you know, I don't have time for that because that's not what God wants. Listen, God needs you. You will get into trouble when it's all about problem solving and not about God loving. Just a few people clap. That's fine. <laughs> I know the rest of you are writing. You need to get that down. You will get into trouble when all you know, your church visit is all about problem solving and not about you loving God. It's about God solve this problem. God solve that problem. You have turned God into There's a song my grandmother used to sing while we were writing. I was singing the song. Like I said, my grandmother is, is, is an illiterate, so she, she doesn't speak English, but I'll translate this down. She used to say, Allah woke up, oh, Herbalist is not the talisman guy, he's not the stargazer, he is God. You know the difference? You go to those people for consultation for a problem, it doesn't matter the life you are living. But with God, God wants you, He wants, he wants to love you, He wants you to know Him, He wants you to grow in Him, He wants you to stop sinning, He wants you to. 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to grow. You can, listen, when church is just about killing all your enemies, I've seen all sorts of things. Take it, bazooka. I shoot all of them down. That's what you do in church 24 hours. Every time you go to church, something is wrong with that. Take it to the bank. Something is wrong with it. The church that will not draw you closer to your God is not a church. The church that will only say to you, your problem will be solved. There's this help. Don't get me wrong. Our God solves problems. In fact, we are right in the middle of a fast. We have a God who is a service. The dead are going to rise. The lame will walk. The blind will see. There's going to be abundance of breakthroughs, abundance of healings in Jesus' name. So we, we are not confused. But you see, it's not about the gifts, it's about the giver of the gift. That's the huge difference. It's about the giver of the gift. So to confidently face the future, I must have a proper perspective. A proper perspective. It's about God and not about the gift. Number two, I must avoid these two mistakes. Mistakes highlighted in James 4, 13 to 16. Or 17. Okay, put it up. Probably stop at 16. Let's go. James 4, 13 to 17. It says, look here. You will say today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's air a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plan and all such boasting. Everybody say, all such boasting is what? Evil. So what are the two mistakes there? Number one, first mistake is planning without God. Planning without God. You see, someone says, and I, and I agree partly, that the best way to predict the future is to plan. And I agree. God expects us to plan. So, you want to create a future? Plan the future. You are creating the future, you are planning. Absolutely. But the best way to ruin your future is to plan without God. The best way to ruin that future you are creating is to plan without God. Verse 13. Now, listen. You will say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, or carry on business and make money. Now, this is like a typical business plan. When? Today or tomorrow? So it, it, has, it has answered when? Where? This city or that city? It has answered how? How long? Three? A year? <laughs> it has answered what? What business? And it has answered why? To make money. If you're writing a business plan, those are the components that must be answered. <laughs> and these guys have done it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with this business plan. But the key thing here is, can you see God in any of these things? No. So what's wrong with this is that there is no God here. There's no provision for God. Don't plan without God. Instead, the word of God says in verse 15, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. We will what? And do this and do that. So circle that if in your outline. If 
is a conditional statement. In other words, you are allowing God to say no. You are allowing God to redirect you. You are allowing God to, to come up with a superior plan. If opens you up to God. It does. So the solution is simple. Pray as you plan. That's the solution. Solution is what? Pray as you plan. Pray before you plan. Pray as you plan. Pray as you plan. That's the solution. Proverbs 16.1 says, We make our plans, but God has the last word. We make our plans. But we, we, it's before God. God has the last word. Proverbs 16.9, Living Bible, says, We should make plans. You see, God is saying we should make plans. But counting on God to what? To direct us. We should make plans counting on God. You see, if you live your life like this, you can confidently face the future. So, if, the, if your plans doesn't work out, you are, not, you are not startled. Why? Because you know you have committed it to God's hands. And God, even though it's not working out, God is going to make everything work together for your good. So you are not afraid. Some people, their plan is their life. Once the plan begins to deviate, they begin to fret. Why? Because God is not in it. God is not in it. So instead of saying, you know, many times we take our plans to God. We make our plans, we take it to God. We are blessed this plan. Like Abraham said to God, let Isaac live before, let Ishmael live before you, oh God. You have done your own Ishmael. You are bringing to God. God bless Ishmael. God says, no. In Isaac shall your seed be. So instead of <laughs> saying, God bless what I am planning, say, God help me plan. Why? Because your blessing will be on the plan when you help me plan. Some time ago, I've shared this story before. Um, all my siblings, they were out of the country, living in different parts of the world. Most of them are um, even currently. And at that time in my life, in my, my wife and I, we went through some serious financial challenge. Very serious. I can't begin to tell you how serious it is. Anyway, so like... Every Andrew in Nigeria, the solution is to what? Check out. <laughs> My siblings put a lot of pressure on me because they claim that, you know, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. So I decided to do my papers. So I did my papers. I done everything and I was going very fast so that I could quickly go before I hear God. You know, that kind of, that kind of, and uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd done everything. I've gone to Panty, got in there. Ah, I suffered. Got in. That was the idea of criminal record. Everything was set. Then one day, about to submit and check out. My wife wakes me up at maybe 3 a.m. She was sitting at the edge of the chair. When your wife wakes you up, sitting at the edge of the chair, you are in trouble. You just know you are in trouble. For those of you that are not married, that is trouble 101. <laughs> she fed me, let's talk. I said, what? At what time? Okay. <clears throat> let's talk. Okay. What is the issue? She's this Immigration thing. Anywhere you want to go, I want you to know I will follow you. I want you to tell me that God has told you that we are going on this trip. That's which I didn't want to hear. <laughs> so it's like they poured cold water on me. I couldn't say it because you can't lie with God. He can just slap you. <laughs> I couldn't say it. 
If I had gone, there would be no gospel in house today. There will not be any gospel in house. I would have just been roaming around trying to pay bills because that's what a lot of them are just doing, paying bills. It's a rat race. If you get out of it, the bills will mount up. You are in trouble. You stay there, you pay until a 50-something-year-old man was telling me that he spent 37 years in the U.S. He says, I, I want to come back. <laughs> I'm just paying bills. I'm not saying you should go. If God told you to go. But if God has not sent you, don't try it. So planning without prayer is what? Presumption. Planning without prayer is presumption. Which leads us to the second mistake you should not make. The second mistake is presuming about tomorrow. Presuming about tomorrow. Why you don't even know, verse 14 and 16, what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are missed, it says. It dis- that disappears, that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes, it disappears. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Why shouldn't I presume? It says here, I shouldn't presume because life is unpredictable. But God is reliable. Why shouldn't I presume? Number two, I shouldn't presume because life is not only unreliable and unpredictable. Life is brief. Even if you live to be 150 years old, it is still very brief compared to millions and millions of years of eternity. It's still very brief. So Isaiah 56, 12 says to us, come, each one says, let us drink our fill of beer and tomorrow we will be like today or even better. Who says? Don't presume. Proverbs 21, 27 verse 1 Proverbs 27, 1 says, don't boast about tomorrow. You can flip over. You have a lot of space to write because a lot of writing should go on towards the end. It says, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring forth. So pastor, what's the solution? Just make today count. That's the solution. Make the day count. This day that you have Make it count. It's the only today that you will ever have. There will not be any 6th of May, 2015. 6th of May, yeah. 2015 again. Once it goes, it has gone. So focus and make today count. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Make it count. That's the solution. Matthew 6.34. Living Bible says, So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow. Live one day at a time. You see, the truth is that we can plan for tomorrow and it's okay to plan for tomorrow. We can plan for tomorrow but we can only live today. You can't live tomorrow. You can only live today. So make today count. The word of God did not say, give us this day our yearly bread. Did he say, give us this day our quarterly bread? He says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Do you know why it's daily bread? So that tomorrow you can come back to God. (laughs) If he gives you your yearly bread, you will come back tomorrow. So he will give you a daily bread. So that you show up. See, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's how it works. Not even our monthly bread. Not even our weekly bread. Our daily bread. Our daily bread. So number three. So for, 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 for me to face the future confidently, I must have a proper perspective of the word of God concerning how to relate to futuristic events and prophecies. I must have a proper perspective. Number two, I must avoid 
those two mistakes that we listed out. That is, planning without God and presuming about tomorrow. Number three, I must be secure in my relationship with Jesus. I must be secure. And this is where we want to wrap up the whole series of Punishing Fair because it's all about Jesus, all about the person. I must be secure in my relationship with Jesus. I must be secure in my relationship with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus gives you access to three things. And those three things makes all the difference when it comes to dealing with fear. Relationship with Jesus gives you access to three things. Number one, relationship with Jesus gives you access to his presence. It gives you access to his presence. It gives me access to his presence so I can come and before his presence. And in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. I can sustain his presence. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says to us, Isaiah 41 10. Isaiah 41 10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Amen. So, Having a solid relationship with Jesus gives me access to his presence. Secondly, having a solid relationship with Jesus, being secure in my relationship with Jesus, gives me access to his voice. Gives me access to what? To his voice. John 10, 27, he says, my sheep they don't only hear. You see, I, I love the way the voice translation puts it. You know, the KJV says, my sheep hear my voice and, and, you know, and they follow. He says here that my sheep respond as they hear my voice. My sheep does what? As they hear my voice. I know them how? How do I know them? Intimately. And who do they follow? They follow me. Now, now, now. Now, back it up. Now, so the one of the criterias of being the sheep of Jesus, how do you know you are a sheep? You can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. If you are not a sheep, in other words, you can't even hear. Anytime there's a challenge, you always run into, you know, one uh, bishop, one uh, prophet, one, you have a huge problem. You need to come to Jesus today. And start NCR. Even if you're a teacher in NCR. Even if you're a minister, a pastor. If you keep running from pillar to post, you need to come to Jesus today. My sheep hear my voice. They respond to my voice. So having a solid relationship with Jesus give me, gives me access to what? His presence. Gives me access to His voice. Now, this is mind-blowing. Having a relationship with Jesus doesn't only give me access to his presence and his voice. It gives me, it gives me access to his mind. <laughs> that is too powerful. It gives me access to his mind. I know what he's thinking. I don't need to hear his voice. I know what he's thinking. You, you can discern his mind without him speaking. That is another level of relationship with God. You can discern God's mind without hearing God's voice. Okay, yeah, it's good to hear God's voice. You heard it. It's good to hear God's voice. Guess what? But you can. And guess what? As a believer, you already have all the apparatus to do it. It's not an exclusive preserve of certain special people. Okay, you're a pastor. You're special. Maybe that's why you're... No! Everybody has... Should have. First Corinthians 2, 16. It says... Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? It says, but we understand these things. How? How? We have the mind of Christ. Many times I've said to you, I've had family members, you know, want to make certain decisions, and I just say to them like that, God is not there. This is where God is. And they say, you have not even prayed. What has God said to you? Tell me, what is the dust is the Lord? 
I just know. And guess what? By God's grace, I'm always correct. The point is this. You can. I exercise it. God says you have the mind of Christ. So, unleash the mind of Christ. In your business, at home, unleash the mind of Christ. You have to be aware that you have it in the first place. You have the mind of Christ. You have access to his thinking. What is God thinking right now about you? Some people don't know. Let me ask you, what's God thinking right now about you? I know what God is thinking right now about me. At least before I got up here. And we had to add some dialogue and negotiation. What's God thinking about you? Right now. Listen, I'm not saying you should guess what God is thinking about you. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. You should live here with a burning desire to unleash the mind of Christ that you have. You see, and the key to unleashing this person of Jesus, the key to unleashing the person of Jesus, that is his his presence, his voice, his mind, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the key to unleashing it. It's the key to unleashing the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the key to unleashing the voice of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the key to unleashing the mind of God. The Holy Spirit is. 1 Corinthians 2.9. The same 1 Corinthians 2.9. See, there's a lot of space you can write. It says, it's going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I'm going to read up until 12. It says that that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that what? Love him. He says, he says even though no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know, but God has this thought, even though that is the case, verse 10 says, but it was to us that God did what? Reveal these things. How? By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything. 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 And shows us. Who does he show? It shows us God's deepest secrets, the things in the private domain. I don't know what I was saying there. probably to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see in the Bible. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit, verse 12. And we, how many of us? Just the pastors, just the ministers, just the choir people. And we have received God's spirit. That same spirit that has access to the deep things of God, we have received it. Not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. I've told you time and time again, when I meet people, when I meet someone and I shake the person's hand, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, who is this person? And every time, God tells me who the person is. Every single time. God wants you. Because if you don't, it's like, it's like, it's like um, if you have a database, if you don't run a query against the database, you won't get the results. I mean, I'm using computer times. In other words, you can have it's a store of information. You have to query it. Requests for the information through the right channel and it will be delivered to you. Time and time and time and time and time again. I can give you examples upon examples upon examples upon examples. 
when you connect and make your relationship with the person of Jesus priority, connect to his, his presence, his voice, his mind, fear will vanish. Fear will vanish. You know why? Because Jesus is Alpha and Omega. is the beginning and the ending. He knows the end already. He knows the end already. All the things you are wobbling right now, you are making mistakes, he already knows. And he knows you are going to get up also. Praise the name of God. And God wants us to banish fear. The scriptures, the scripture we started with was First Corinthians, uh, sorry, First John four eighteen, and says there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what cast out fear, banishes fear. And God is love. Perfect love banishes fear, drives it out, drives it out. Love is a, is, a, is a powerful force that God uses. 1 Corinthians 3, 8. He says, even though I speak in other tongues and I have the gift of prophecy and speak in unknown tongues and special knowledge, all this will be useless. But love will last forever. Praise the name of the Lord. The key to banishing fear is not a formula. It's not a seven-point step. It's not seven-point steps. It is a person. And that person is who? It's Jesus. When you build your relationship with Jesus, you get access to his presence. You get access to his voice. And you get access to his... Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.